You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Without any further ado or announcements, I want to welcome Roy McDonald to the stage. Roy is, is one of our, uh, yeah, welcome up. Roy is, is, is one of our elder team and um, just a great guy. And he's, you're going to hear his heart for small groups right now. And Roy is also the guy who's keeping my fantasy trophy for this year warm right now. But he'll be handing it's, that to it's me. It's my trophy. But, but for now. But Let's, you'll hand, you'll hand to it to me in a couple one months. one thing clear, right. it's not Dave's trophy. Well, that's true. We there can we, we can both unequivocally we can agree say with that. it is not Dave's. There we go. Awesome. All right. All right. Awesome. See you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet. I am super excited. This thing is a lot heavier than I thought it was. Um, super excited to be with you guys this morning. Like uh, Mike said, my name is Rory, and um, yeah, I am pumped. So uh, Holly is uh, my wife. So if you know Holly, um, is there music playing? This is a dramatic moment of me coming on the stage. Um, so, um, yeah, Holly is my wife. She's absolutely amazing. Um, we have two kids. Uh, their names are Owen and Lila. Owen is two years old. He just turned two. And then uh, I have a daughter. Her name is Lila. <clears throat> and if I told you that she was three, she'd say, no, I'm four, because she turns four November 3rd. So um, I have a two and a four-year-old. They're amazing. They're awesome. And yesterday, actually, a lot of people, not just us, uh, the, the Burke family, and also um, Jeremy and um, Anna Shrum, this, we all celebrated our anniversary yesterday. For us, it was a six-year anniversary. I think for one of them, it was like a 22 and a 16-year anniversary. I, like, that's awesome. So here's what we're going to do. Um, let's go ahead and collect the offering. Um, uh, I'm totally kidding. You can put gift cards in there, though. If it does come around, I'd be happy to take those. That would work out great. Um, awesome. So um, today we're going to be digging into Acts, the book of Acts. Now the book of Acts, just so that you guys uh, know what it is, it is a, uh, uh, the Acts of the Disciples is what a lot of people call it. Acts of the Disciples, Acts of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people uh, uh, change it up between those two. But I want to tell you a little bit more about myself. I um, uh, was raised in a family that attended church on Sundays. That's what we did, uh, just because it was what we were supposed to do. Nothing else. Um, Attended pretty much every Sunday, uh, went to the, I wouldn't call it youth group, but I, I learned about the church during my time there. <clears throat> and um, yeah, during that time, it just, it, it wasn't something that really I, I grabbed onto or cared about. Um, it wasn't until I was in about my sophomore, junior year of high school where I was like, I'm, listen, I can drive. And my, my mom at the time, she, she worked on Sundays at the time. So I was like, okay, well, I'm driving. We're not going to church for little brother. We're not, just not doing it. Um, so we stopped going. Um, naturally, like all moms do, she found out. And uh, uh, she said, hey, I, I want you to check out this other church. So we went to this other church, um, was impacted by what the, the speaker was saying. I was like, this is, I, I, have to, I have to keep figuring out what this thing is all about. So started, kept doing the Sunday thing, showing up on Sundays, eventually got involved in what's called the youth group at the, uh, the church, uh, which was awesome. God impacted my life in some really awesome ways when we were there doing that. Um, but I can remember the first time being invited to this thing called a small group. Um, and if any of you have been invited to a small group, it can be a very, um, 
interesting experience being invited to a small group. My, my particular experience, you got to picture this, I'm a, a junior in high school. Uh, I was a, I'll, I'll say it, I know it now, I was a dumb jock, right? I played football in high school, go Big Reds. And anyways, the, I, I get invited to this, to this thing called a small group, and I just naturally never hearing of it before, I ask questions. What, what is it? And uh, I was like, well, it's, it's, what we do is, is we get a group of guys together and... Um, well, we're going uh, to read a little bit of the Bible, and then we're going to really dig into some of the things that you're struggling with, and, uh, you know, we can help you through those struggles. It's like, I'm not doing that. That sounds awful. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And I, I can remember saying that to this person who's inviting me to their small group. I, I was not interested, not something I was interested in doing. It wasn't until a year later that I started hanging out with one of the leaders at the youth group. His name was Dan Banstra. Dan, if you're watching... Um, you've done some amazing things in my life. Thank you for that, man. Um, he invited me to his house, and he was like, hey, man, I, I'm just having, I'm having a bunch of high school kids over. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a good time. We're going to play games. We're going to eat food. Food had me. I was there with the food. And, and he said, and there's, there's a good chance we're going to crack the Bible open, and we're going to have a conversation about the Bible. I was like, okay, well, what are we reading about the Bible? Just so happens... It was the book of Acts, which is exactly what we're going through today. So I'm very passionate about the, uh, the book of Acts. I absolutely love it, and um, I, I, uh, it's a good book. Here's the thing. It is through this small group, and I'm going to share some of my experiences in that small group. It is through that small group that I've gained lifelong friends. I, I have a friend, his name is Vinny Delcada. One of my, it, it, I, I talk to him on a monthly basis, at, a, at the very least. We go out to coffee on a regular basis. Uh, Dan, who I mentioned before, he lives in Texas. I still reach out to him on a regular basis. He still reaches out to me. He actually called me yesterday and said, hey, happy anniversary. Uh, and then uh, lastly is a, a friend of mine, Brandon Maletta. Brandon Maletta is a Michigan State police officer now. And I talk to him very regularly. We just, we just bonded and have this brotherhood now that even 10, 12 years of us not being in a group together, we still have that same bond. Um, so the biggest thing that you can leave with today is that life change happens in small groups. Life change happens in small groups. I'm proof of it, and we're going to see in the Bible how life group changed the lives of some of the people in it in the Bible as well. Um, so, uh, before we dig into the Acts chapter 2, I want to give you a little bit of context of what's happening leading up to this moment. Now, you have Jesus, right, who we, we know a lot of the stories of Jesus. He, he would travel around the area of Judea, Jerusalem, and he would, he would uh, uh, heal people. He would preach to thousands of people on mountain, mountaintops. He had these 12 guys that followed him around called the disciples. There were other people who followed him in addition to that, but the big people that he really poured into were these 12 guys, kind of like a small group, poured into these 12 guys um, every day, teaching them what it looked like to follow Jesus, to, to be more like God, to be closer to God, okay? Um, now, there were a lot of people who really loved the things that Jesus did, and there were a lot of people who really didn't love the things that Jesus did. Um, now, there's one uh, uh, of the disciples that we're going to really be digging into today, and that's Peter. And I have this really weird love-hate relationship with Peter. Part of me, uh, Peter reminds me a lot of myself um, because he, he was like this strong-willed, like, no, Jesus, I'm going to do this. Like, he kind of just, 100 miles an hour, just did whatever it is that he felt like he was supposed to do. And then at the same time, um, Peter did everything he thought he was supposed to do at 100 miles an hour and was kind of a moron. Like, straight up, 
I, I, and I say this with me reminding me of Peter, okay? Um, now, Peter, uh, uh, just to give you a few things that happened, Jesus called Peter he, while he was on a boat, which anytime you see Peter uh, it, fishing, he's not catching any fish. So also, he's a terrible fisherman. Um, I can say that I'm wearing a fishing shirt. If any, ladies, if you ever want to buy your husband, I'm not kidding, pro fishing gear shirts, these are amazing. I'll model it. So that's it. All right. Anyways, so Peter, terrible fisherman. Uh, at one point, uh, uh, Peter is with Jesus there uh, in this upper room just before uh, Jesus is about to be uh, betrayed Excuse me, and put on the cross. And uh, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, today you're going to deny me three times. And Peter goes, Jesus, that's silly. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. No, Jesus, no, Peter, listen. Li listen to me. You're going to deny me three times. Jesus, listen, I will, go to the, I will die with you. No, Peter, no, I'm, listen to me. I'm God. You've been with me the last three years. Just shh, shh, listen. You're going to deny me three times. Peter, whatever, and goes about his day. Leading forward, right, Jesus is standing at the temple, and what does Peter do? do? He denies Jesus three times. Right? Leading up to that, though, they're out in the garden, and uh, who's the one guy who pulls out a sword and chops off the ear of a guard? Peter. People are coming to take Jesus. He takes a sword out, chops the ear off, off of a guy, and just completely inconveniences Jesus in this moment, right? Jesus knows, okay, I'm about to die, and now I've got to put an ear on him. Like, see, you see what I mean? Kind of, kind of a moron. Kind of a moron. Anyways, um, which leads us to after Jesus raises from the dead, um, He's hanging out with his disciples. He's spending time with them. And it leads us to chapter 1 in the book of Acts, uh, more specifically, verses 8 through 11. I'm going to read that for you. This is Jesus talking. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after that, he was taken up before their very eyes into a cloud out of their sight. This sounds nuts. You, like, this is literally what, what is happening in this moment is they're all standing there, they're talking to Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, listen, guys, um, there's this thing coming, it's gonna be called the Holy Spirit, uh, and you're gonna take uh, the message to the end of the earth. And then he, and they're all just standing there looking up into the sky as Jesus disappears behind a cloud. And they're just continuing to stand there. It's, it's odd to me. So, Let's keep reading here. This is, this is hilarious. Um, they were looking intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here looking at the sky? The same way that Jesus was taken up into heaven, he will come back the same way that you saw him go up into heaven. So <laughs> I just think it's funny. Twelve guys standing up looking up into the sky. And then all of a sudden, two angels show up and go, uh, what are you, what are you doing? What are you, why, are you, why are you looking into the sky? Jesus isn't there. He's not there anymore. He's gone. What are you doing? What is their immediate reaction? They returned to, to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs into rooms where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphys, Simon the Zealot, Judas, uh, son of James, they were all joined together and constantly in prayer, along with the women 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Their immediate reaction to watching Jesus go up is, dude, we got to get in small group. We got to get together. We have to, we have to sit down, and I need to mentally think through what Jesus told me and what just happened. Because I don't have a clue. I've never seen that before. Have you, John? Like, that's, what, that's what's happening right now. So, immediate reaction. What, what do small groups do? The first thing that small groups do brings people together. It brings people together. These guys just, just experience something that no one has ever experienced before. And their immediate reaction, we got to get together and we got to figure this thing out. All of us are here. All of us witnessed this. And, 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 and we, we got we to, what's next? This reminds me a lot of Sunday mornings. God has so much. This, is, this, is, this was my story, right? I, I came on Sunday mornings. I went to youth group. And I never got more involved than that. I never broke it down into a small group of people that could pour into my life, that I could ask questions to, that I could uh, uh, really argue what the Bible was saying. I never, I never did that. I was constantly right here. This is it. This is all I did. I would volunteer. I would put my hands down and volunteer, but it wasn't on a Sunday. It wasn't anything but a Sunday. This was me right here. There's, there's so much more. There's so much more that God has in store for each and every single one of us. And it's not a bad thing. This is not a bad place to be. It's just not the only place that God wants you. I needed somebody in my life to say, hey, hey Rory, um, there's more than just showing up to group on a Sunday. I needed an angel, if you will, to come alongside of me and say, hey, dude, <laughs> if, if showing up on Sunday is the only thing that you're about, you're missing it. There, there's a lot more that Jesus has in store for you, and you're missing it. So uh, I was very thankful for that when Dan did that, did that and asked me that question. But um, what I did was is I found my people, right? I found people who, who cared about playing games, who cared about having fun. That was what our group was about. It was a bunch of high school kids. We wanted to have fun. We wanted to have a good time. We played games. We played video games, crushed everyone in NCAA football, was great at it. Then, then, uh, we would spend a little time in the Bible. We, we had this older gentleman pour into us. He was, it, was, it was amazing. Who are your people? Who are your people that you're, 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 you're finding maybe here in a church or maybe in other churches even, and, and they're pouring into you and you're pouring into them? Who are your people? That's the first thing. When it comes to groups bringing people together, you've got to find your people. All right, so let's pick up uh, in the Bible. We're going back to chapter 2 here, um, and I'm going to read the first thing here. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, now I, I want you to understand pe what Pentecost is. Pentecost is one of the three major Jewish holidays that takes place in the Jewish, not just religion, but culture. It is a, uh, almost as if a, like a Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving is awesome. Theirs happens for weeks. We need to change ours. You all agree. I, I, amen. Anyways, so th there's this feast happening. People from all over the area speaking different languages, um, but all still Jewish culture, Jewish people come to Jerusalem, come to Judea, come to this, this region where the disciples are at meeting. And, and this is where we pick up here. The day of Pentecost came. <clears throat> they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing, violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. This is, this is not like all smoggers, okay? I just want you to, <laughs> just to preface. Um, they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What? Like, 
You're, you're, imagine you're meeting for the first time at somebody's house, and all of a sudden, like, this violent wind blows the windows open. That's enough to scare the, the bejesus out of you. Then, fire falls on the heads of each people, e- each person there. That, that's enough to terrify you, and I'm willing to bet that in those moments, the disciples were also terrified. They were scared. I would be. I would be absolutely terrified of what's happening in that moment. Now, there were, uh, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews. Why were they there? They were all there due to Pentecost, all celebrating uh, the Feast of Weeks is what it's called. Some people also call it that. Uh, Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound like a crowd coming together in bewilderment because each one of them heard the, them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all of these men's Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? So, upper room, windows blow open, and all of a sudden these guys start talking. They've got, contextually, let's say, we've got, let's say this happens in this room. You've got Spanish happening over here. Um, you've got uh, Russian happening in the back. You have um, Native American happening in the front. Over here, you've got Italian. Over there, you have uh, somebody speaking in Portuguese. In the back, you have another person who's speaking Mandarin. You have, like, just burst out in all these different languages, and everybody hears it and goes, wait a minute, you're, 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 speaking, you're speaking my language, and you're not from where I'm from. Why are you speaking my language? You're speaking my language. Which brings us to our next point. Them all gathering outside of these walls. Groups bring people together. It brings people together. It br- excuse me, it brings outsiders. That was the last point. Groups bring outsiders. It finds people who speak your language, or you find people who speak your language, and they come together. And when I say language, I, I, I realize the majority of us in here, I'm willing to bet, are all speaking English, right? However, there are moms in here there are, there are widows in here. There are uh, uh, very, very newly married people in here. There are young adults in here. Um, there are single moms in here. I might have said that already. I'm not sure. There are children in here. There are, I mean, I mean people who are passionate about sports, people who are passionate about, uh, like, fine cuisine cooking, people who are passionate about, you, you heard Sean the Fever a couple weeks ago, passionate about seeing marriages succeed. There, there's, there's a lot of people in this room and online who, who might be speaking your language. They might be speaking the things that, that you need to hear or the things that you're passionate about and you care about. Um, a good example of this, the, the other thing that uh, uh, I noticed in, in the scripture is it was very public that what was happening. All, all these people started gathering and it, it, it was very public. It was in the streets. People saw it. This reminds me a lot of, um, I know Dave has mentioned it before, and I'm sure Mike too. Um, we're partnered with a church who's in Detroit called Antioch Detroit. Right now, Antioch Detroit, they, they, they meet in a neighborhood due to COVID and everything happening, but they meet on their front lawn. They, they blare music. A couple weeks ago, they were here, and they, Jawan and Jess, they have some of the, the most beautiful voices I've ever heard, but they blare their music throughout their neighborhood, and people from streets over come walking and sitting in their front yard just wanting to hear not only the music but what God has to say. Guys, groups bring outsiders. People who don't know Jesus, it brings people. It's without a doubt. It happens all the time. All right. Skipping forward. Oh, no, before I skip forward, let me, 
I, I want to give you uh, an interesting piece that happens in this moment. Um, so they're all, uh, we're all hearing them declare the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this all mean? Remember before I mentioned to you that there were people who did not like Jesus. They didn't want him around. They didn't care about him. They also didn't like these disciples either. Here's what they had to say. Some, however, made fun of them and said, oh, they've been drinking too much wine. That was a lot of people's reaction to this, which Peter, now Peter, who Jesus called the rock at one point, and this guy who I, I, I said, a bit of a moron leading up to this point, right? Peter all of a sudden gets this like, I, I have no other way to say it, but this like hold my beer moment. And he like just loses it on, on these other disciples. And it's awesome to hear. I'm like, have you ever, you ever been driving in your car when you like leave work? And you're like, yeah, I got in an argument with your boss or like family member or whatever. And you're like, yeah, the next time. And you have a conversation as if you're actually there sitting in the car next to you and you're just arguing out loud. Does anybody do this or am I the only one? Okay, great. Somebody, all right, somebody else does this. Beautiful. I'm not crazy. All right. So Peter actually goes as far as to, no, look, he, he goes nuts right here. This is awesome. So Acts chapter 22, or, uh, 2 verse 2, 22, <clears throat> here's how he dresses them. Men of Israel, listen to the Jesus of Nazareth, a man, nope, I skipped ahead. Verse 14, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's my first time. Uh. Then Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain something to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Then he goes on and there's a, a, a patch of scripture right there, which you can read later, where he quotes the prophet Joel and, and all of these things that were supposed to be happening. Somebody prophesied it thousands of years earlier and said that these things were going to happen. Then we continue in verse 22. It says, men of Israel, listen to this, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves already know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge to you. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it is impossible for death to have hold on him. He just, no, you sit down and listen to me, wise men from around the area. I'm, yeah, I'm a fisherman, but you just sit there and listen. And he just unleashes with everything that these people also saw. And then he goes on in verse 29 and he says, Brothers, I can tell you this confidently that the patriarch David, who he quoted just before, was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne, seeing what was ahead. He spoke to the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God raised Jesus to life, and we are all here witnesses of this fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out, which is what you see, what you see and hear now. And he goes on in verse 36. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured that God has made Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, so look, he unleashes. And he literally looks at these guys and goes, hey, listen, you know that guy you murdered? Yeah. Um, he, was, he was the Christ. He was God. And um, 
just a reminder, one more time if you didn't hear me the first three times, uh, you killed him. You killed him. He died. All these things that are happening right now, us speaking in different languages, yeah, he said that was going to happen. And the same guys who you are reading about when it comes to the Passover stuff happening, the prophet Joel, the prophet David, he said it was going to happen too. And hey, guys, you're missing it. You, you missed it. You missed it all. And here's what they, uh, uh, they, how they respond to him. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied to them, and he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children that are not far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. God is calling you. This is for you too. Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name. That's what he tells them. Peter finally becomes the Peter that we've all been waiting for him to be. What's interesting about this is Peter's been rolling with Jesus for the past three years. Screwing up left and right. It wasn't until he got into an upper room with the other 12 disciples that he became the Peter that we've been waiting for. He became the rock that Jesus called him to be. He became the rock that Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to build my church on this. I'm going to build my church. You're going to lead. You're going to be a leader, Peter. You're going to lead people. You're going to be my shepherd. After uh, Jesus was raised from the dead, he actually found Peter on a boat. And lo and behold, guess what? He didn't catch any fish. And um, Peter jumps into the water, swims to Jesus, and then Jesus sits with him. And um, Jesus looks at Peter, and he asks him three times, Peter, um, will you protect my flock? And Peter, three times, right, just denied Jesus three times, begins bursting into tears. Yeah, Jesus, I'll, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll protect your flock. Jesus raises into heaven, and all this now takes place. Peter finally becomes the guy that we've been waiting for him to be. Uh, there's, there's this untapped potential that, that I, I think everybody misses out on when you're not in a group. I, I can think back to my time in high school when I was playing football, or even middle school, and I... I had friends who were super, super athletic. And we, when we played on the playground, they were the most athletic kid around. Um, but they never, they were too good for the team. However, we never got to see it because they were never in the group. We never got to see it because they never stepped into the team. See, this potential that Peter has, Jesus is calling you to that exact same potential. And I, I don't say you as in everybody in the world. I, I mean you sitting here in this room and you who are watching this video. Jesus called you into this exact same potential. This exact same zeal, this exact same boldness, this exact same heart for, uh, uh, for righteousness. He, he has that same thing for each and every single one of you. He's asking you to step into it. The only way for that to happen is the Holy Spirit to come out, and that happens in groups. Groups, bring, they bring out the Holy Spirit. It came out in Peter, and it comes out in each one of us. We see it in our groups all the time. Lastly, and I'm going to go back really quick, and I'm just going to, I didn't tell John this, so this is my bad, John. Um, verse 8, it says in, in chapter 1, Jesus, I'm just going to remind you really quick. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the very earth. Now, fast forward to what's happening right now. All of these men are in Jerusalem from all over the area, all over the ends of the earth. 
and they're visiting for this Passover, or excuse me, this, uh, this Pentecost, this uh, uh, big feast going on. And those, now I'm picking up in uh, verse 41, so chapter 2. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. 3,000 people, because of Peter standing up and saying what he did, decided, you know what, this Jesus thing might, this, you're speaking my language. This might be for me. Here's the coolest part, though, about this, this particular piece is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs that the apostles had done. What was their immediate reaction? They got in upper rooms. They met around dinner tables. They met around living rooms. They sat on couches. They met in backyards. They met in restaurants. They met. Their immediate reaction to seeing all of these things happen were, we got to get in a group. We have to meet. I need to keep doing this. I, like, Showing up on, at, to, to the feast isn't enough anymore. Showing up on a Sunday isn't enough anymore. I, I, need, I need more. That was their immediate reaction. Now, 3,000 people, like I said, 3,000 people dedica- dedicated themselves to Jesus that day. They began meeting in upper rooms, living rooms, dinner tables, and uh, every day they added more and more to that number. Could you, imagine, could you imagine if Peter hadn't been to group? Could you imagine if Peter had not? We probably wouldn't have uh, uh, chapters 1 and 2 in the books of Acts at all. Could you imagine if Peter had not been there that day? Could you imagine, now let's hit a little harder to home. Could you imagine if, if Dan Banstra had not invited me to a small group? I, sh- I sure as heck wouldn't be sitting up here with you. I- I'm-, I'm willing to bet that my kids wouldn't know Jesus the way that they do. I'm willing to bet that my wife and I, we wouldn't have a relationship that's centered around Jesus like we do. I'm willing to put money on it. Life change happens in small groups. And groups bring the gospel to the end of the earth, like Jesus said. What's holding you back from saying yes? What's, what's preventing you? Is it, is it a fear of not knowing what these groups are about? Is it a fear of not knowing what's next? Is it a fear of not knowing who your people are? We can help you with that. That's what we're about here. There's a, a card on the seat in front of you. I know Mike mentioned it. it's called a Connect card. Fill out one of those cards. Just put things that you're interested in. I, we'll, we'll go through them. We'll have a conversation with you. We'll find the group that's about sports. We'll find the group that's about gaming. We'll find, the, we'll find the group that's about fine cuisine. We'll find that for you. If not, we'll make it for you. We're passionate about you knowing Jesus so that other people can know Jesus because here's reality. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, reaches you on its way to somebody else. I'll say that again. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, reaches you on its way to somebody else. The gospel, excuse me, groups bring the gospel to the ends of the very earth. Oh, I have 10 seconds left. Jeez. Peter was with Jesus every single day for three years, and it wasn't until he was sitting in an upper room with the disciples that he encountered the Holy Spirit, and he was changed from a man who followed Jesus to a man who led people to Jesus. He stopped being the guy that just showed up and worshipped and started being the guy that said, hey, come with me. Let's go worship. That's life change. That's big things happening. That's what we're all about here at Paradox. Taking people far from God and turning them into fully devoted followers of Jesus. But here's a newsflash. 
fully devoted followers of Jesus make fully devoted followers of Jesus. Who make fully devoted followers of Jesus. Who make fully devoted followers of Jesus. Who make fully devoted followers. You see what I'm saying? If, if, if you're fully devoted, if you're fully in, if you're in on what it is that God's calling you to do, he's asking you to go make more. He's asking you to step up. He's asking you to step in. Go and make fully devoted followers of Jesus because, again, life change happens in small group. If there's one thing that I know from the experience that I've had as well as what we've read today, it's that life change does happen in small groups. People encounter Jesus in small groups. People encounter the Holy Spirit in small groups. People become empowered in small groups. Um, Dave asked me to, to add in uh, sent and scattered. I, I'll be honest, I think it's so much more than sent and scattered. People coming out of small groups. People are, when, it, when people leave small groups, they're, they're not sent and scattered. They're launched out of a flipping cannon ready to do whatever it is that Jesus is calling them to. Wherever it is that he's sending them to go. They go full force, just like Peter. And if this is something that you're wanting, if this is something that you're, 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 is tickling your ear and you want to hear more about, I encourage you, again, fill out that Connect card. Check us out online. I'll be here. I'll be happy to share more experiences that I've had in small group, as well as I'm sure other people will as well. But don't wait. Don't wait. Could you imagine if Peter waited? 3,000 people were added that day. 3,000 people came to know Jesus. That 3,000. There's 3,000 that might be just on the horizon for you, and all we're waiting for is your yes. Don't wait. Do it today. Um, I'm going to invite the band back up, and um, I'm going to pray with you all really quick. Um, God, thank you for today. Thank you for what it is you're saying. I pray that um, more than anything, God, I pray that whatever it is that just came out of my mouth is not me, but it's you. I pray that you continue through this music um, to just continue to grab a hold of us and pull us close to your heart. Lead us closer to you. And God, more than anything, I ask that, I, I ask that if you're asking us to take a step, that we not be afraid of what it is that we're stepping into, but excited that we're stepping closer into you, God. We love you. We thank you. We just want more of you. More of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.